WIFA Waves is sponsored by WIFA Accelerator, an education hub to amplify your career. Shop the hub or explore our persona pathways to find all the ways that you can accelerate your career trajectory and make meaningful partnerships along the way. We want to help you crush your near and long-term goals. So collaborate with us over at womeninfitness.org backslash accelerate. Hello, I am Lindsay Rainwater, founder and CEO of the Women in Fitness Association. And I'm Morgan Hills Adetoye, director of all things WIFA. And this is WIFA Waves the sound waves of your career. A podcast devoted to supporting the who, what, and how of your career trajectory. We got you. Let's ride these waves together. Yeah, let's do it. Hello, WIFA Waves community. Welcome to today's podcast. I know Morgan and I are so excited to have the conversation that we're going to today with our special, special guest. She's a woman that I get to know a little bit more every single day. Jennifer Halsell is a Samaritan. Yes, that's exactly what I meant to say, who after living for 10 years in the Netherlands is officially Dutch. She is our Chief Operating Officer at WIFA. Uh, she's also a very active member of the Europe Active Board, and um, she spends a lot of hours on both those things, obviously. For over 20 years, she has had a career in the fitness industry, everything from a female personal trainer, which when she started, not a ton of female personal trainers were engaged in the industry. So she's a pioneer for sure. She's been able to turn her passion into her career and leading two of Canadian markets largest PT departments, both Bally Total Fitness and Good Life Fitness. And then she has most recently been working at, with the team at Basic Fit in um, the Netherlands. She's worked on the member retention department. And then after about 10 years, it's been time for a change for her. And so she's been working tenaciously on the WIFA lead program, Leadership Through Elevation, Awareness and Discovery, and been an ambassador for WIFA. And this fall, she's transitioned into our COO role. So I, without further ado, Miss Jennifer Halsell is here with us today. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pity that you can't see how big my smile is. <laughs> I love it. Well, usually how we start the podcast is we love to tell the WIFA Waves listeners about your WIFA story, kind of how you came upon WIFA, what you've really enjoyed mo- most about it. So let's start there. What is Jennifer's WIFA story? I, I really like my WIFA story because it's it, uh, it starts with uh, Emma Berry and a really cool glittery hat that she was uh, walking around the basic fit office um, in, I think, two and a half years ago. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool hat. And Emma looks good in everything, but maybe she can tell me about the hat. And, and she did. And she explained um, she explained about the Women in Fitness organization. And I just remember thinking that I was so excited that it existed and that 
it it directly struck this chord in me that that I realized that I needed to be a part of it, and and I wish I'd I had found out about it like on its on its uh, inception. So it it was directly as soon as she talked talked to me about WIFA, I think I went directly back to my uh, laptop and signed up, mm-hmm. and. Uh, just tried to participate in as much as I possibly could. There were a few um, challenges because of the time difference, because I am based in the Netherlands. But uh, I got paired, I, I signed up to the peer mentor program. I got paired with uh, my school mentor, Micah Kunstel, and uh, we, we just really connected and tried to sponge as much as we could from, from this wonderful organization and, you know, I've got a bit of a, of, of a fairy tale chapter at this point. So, so clearly it's, it's all worked out. Hmm. I would agree with that more than just worked out. And I remember last summer working on the lead program with you and very subtly beginning the recruiting process of wanting to work with you more closely. And here we are. So it's a pretty, I love your WIFA story too. And I know Morgan does too. Yes, it's one of my favorites. And I agree. I think every time we got off a call with you, um, Lindsay and I would call each other after and be like, so how do we get her to come to the WIFA team? (laughs) We know that there's a time change. (laughs) We must have her. We love her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, another question that we really love asking, and it's been a favorite of listeners as well. We've gotten feedback. They're like, I just love hearing the WIFA story and about people's early childhood. So tell us about your early childhood. Is there a memory that you have or that you've been told um, of who you were as a little girl and how you still see that part of you um, today? It's funny, like when you asked early childhood, I thought, what is my, what is my first memory? And um, I, I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. My dad's family is actually from Toronto, but he played for the Canadian Football League and he was playing for uh, Winnipeg when I was born. So I remember being bundled up in a, in a really thick blue coat and I remember him tossing me up really high out in the yard. And I must've been around, I don't know, two years old when that, when that happened. Um, and, you know, what, what my parents tell me about me as a, as a child is, is that I was very willful and, um, and, that I, and that I always could come up with creative things to keep myself busy. And I think this was probably true of me as an adult. And, probably an important um, and somewhat traumatic detail is I was a biter. So most of my cousins have scars that they show me whenever I come around for family reunions. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for the response. I was like, either, either I've shot them or, or they're holding back their laughter. No laughing. I didn't know no, I'm going to say more on that. I know. I was like, do you want to tell us more about the biting? <laughs> well, I stopped. I stopped. I realized it was okay. not a helpful social skill. Um, <laughs> 
So did that parlay itself into your first job or how did that shake out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do like, I mean, I do like chewing. I enjoy food a lot. I mean, maybe that's how it all translated, but my, okay, we're, we're jumping to my first job. My first job was, um, I'm going to age myself really fast right now, was at a, a video store. So this is pre-DVD. For, for those of you millennials listening, there was, there was something called uh, <laughs> <laughs> a VCR, but what did you play in the VCR? It was just a, a tape, right? VHS. Yeah, VHS. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, even even I forgot it. It's that old. Yeah. Um, so I I um, I my mom knew the owner of this uh, video rental shop because she uh, taught aerobics at this tiny little studio in the in the 90s. Yeah, I guess yeah, it would have been the 90s, uh, and. Um, so she would take me to work and then she would teach like two or three classes on, you know, she'd teach step aerobics, but this is when steps were actually wooden benches. And wow. in between classes to kind of kill time so that we could line our schedules up, um, uh, you know, there would be smoking breaks for the aerobic instructors. And uh, <laughs> there was also frozen yogurt at the video store. So I, I benefited benefited from a lot of frozen yogurt and I think the thing that I learned about my first job is that I better stay in school because I definitely did not like how many hours I had to work for the amount of pay I got that that was a that was a direct same point (laughs) it was nice to make money but it just seems like I should be able to make a whole lot more (laughs) well the hours and the work were not adding up for you no no definitely not Oh my god. You knew gosh. your value early. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, listen, mm-hmm. if you want me to be anywhere for eight hours, it's going to cost you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> well, I love video stores. I still miss them sometimes. I, I heard that there is one blockbuster that is still open that still has VHSs. I think there's only one left in the U.S. And um, it's become kind of a uh, tourist destination because they are just not a thing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I was like, that's going to be like a museum at this point. Tell your kids, we used to walk these hallways and contemplate based on <laughs> covers and how they were marketing to us. Such yeah. And, and fast, fast forwarding to the end of the movie took 15 minutes. <laughs> right right god forbid if you messed up that tape and then had to buy it or whatever yeah. <laughs> seriously oh, or, or there was a wrinkle in the in the tape and then you know it was all fuzzy oh yes good old Technology good times good times a long way yeah Mm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of your work experience, you have lived and worked in many countries, as we mentioned, um, being born in Canada and growing up in the U.S. and then going to Europe. There could have been other places in between, and I just don't know that about you. But what um, what has been unique about living and working in different cultures? Um. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uniqueness. I, I, most of my professional career has or started in in Canada. Like I had, I had odd jobs in the states, but um, I wouldn't say they were kind of the the career path jobs. I, I did a lot of um, restaurants and, and personal training, um, but mostly hospitality. And then when when I when I finished college and I uh, moved to Canada and and started work for real, um, I actually studied communications with a with a focus on journalism, and then I did a, an internship at an NBC affiliate in Orlando, and that's a whole story in and of itself. But uh, after that summer internship, I decided there was no way that I wanted to go into journalism, and I changed my major to corporate communications. And then I ended up in a few marketing jobs in Toronto and, and got laid off because I picked tech jobs, and it was in the, in the middle of the tech bubble bursting. And then I found myself in Toronto jobless and uh, with my rent coming up, and I walked to the closest gym and applied as a personal trainer. So, um, and, and actually I never looked back because I, I grew up in a gym. My dad uh, was always really active in fitness and my mom would always teach classes on the side. She was a teacher. So I actually felt the most at home uh, in a gym. And, and I found my uh, career really accelerated quickly as, as soon as I took that step. Um, but the, I mean, there, there are huge cultural differences between, uh, you know, towns and cities all over North America. And you, and you also see it um, in Europe as well. But the thing that really magnifies the cultural difference, differences in Europe is the language, because you have a, a continent that, uh, oh gosh, it's like Spatial awareness is not my strength, but you know, it's it, 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 it's not bigger than North America. But the number of languages that are spoken here, it, again, I wish I knew specifically the number, but I can't tell you. There's that every country has languages and neighborhoods have dialects, so the the cultural differences are, are really big because of because of the language, and you, you just have to watch a whole lot more. The nonverbals, if you're not speaking the language, and that skill really um, got dialed up in me when when I moved over to Europe, is, is really having to tune into nonverbal communication when I couldn't understand understand what was being verbally said. Mm. Mm. I I'm imagining just everything from watching someone's body language, watching, I mean, everything that you take in when you're watching nonverbal and what a incredible skill set that that is. And I would imagine helped you really define a skill set for yourself that I noticed in you today. That's the really cool story, Jen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's helped me in ways that I, I never, I never knew how in important it was until I couldn't understand the words. And then it's almost like you're missing a sense. So the rest of them kind of turn themselves up to compensate. Um, mm. But 
there's there's so much, and we know this, there's so much that's said in nonverbal communications, and there's so many shifts that you can tune into. Um, but it's, uh, it's something that I would challenge people to do if they were open for it. Just like go to a place where you absolutely don't speak the language and don't, don't, don't let yourself try to switch it to your language to see what you can pick up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's a really cool I love- advice. I, that's really cool advice. It's super interesting. I've found myself in similar situations growing up. I, we had a family that was really close to us that um, their family was from Italy. And so when we would go to their family gatherings, like everyone would be speaking Italian. No one would be speaking English really, but we were so close to them that they always invited us everywhere. And um, people would always say, do you understand Italian? Because I would I would be able to have conversations from a very young age with them or like be able to chime in on what they're saying because of body language while mm-hmm. they're talking. You can, and if you are around enough, then you, then you pick up on a couple words or whatever. And so it's like between <laughs> piecing together things and body language, it's such a um, cool skill. Like you mentioned in the sense of now I feel like the because of being exposed to that at such a young age, I have a really good sense of people's body language. That's like what I notice first about people before anything else. Mm-hmm. So really cool. That's so, cool. Mm-hmm. so cool. I'm curious, were there, I mean, that's a huge highlight in your life for sure, Jen, but are there a couple of career highlights for you personally that you really feel really proud about or you f- reflect on regularly? Well, I think I I think one of the one of the things that that question makes me think about is that I've never applied for a job in a traditional way. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll give you I'll, I'll give you three examples, and and I I'm proud of them, and I really kind of use them and tell them when I'm talking to um, people who are really on the fence about uh, making a change in their, in their career life and not knowing how to um, go, go out into the, into the job market and, and get noticed. So uh, when, when I was with, when I was with Bally's, um, it was, they, they had some, they were publicly traded and they were having some problems with the numbers that they were reporting to investors and publicly and their books not lining up. So all of a sudden there was a really big shakeout of, of management uh, in Bally's and, you know, everybody in the Canadian market was on guard and knew that their, their jobs were not stable. So, a few of my friends had already left Bally's and moved over to Good Life Fitness. And one of, uh, one of those friends had uh, regular contact with uh, David Patchell Evans, known as Patch, who's the, who's the founder and CEO of Good Life Fitness. And uh, she gave me his cell phone number. So I remember looking at that number and just really... Uh, forcing myself to call him and introduce myself 
but the moments before I, I dialed the number, I think I probably dialed the number 10 times and, and hung up the phone, but I eventually did just call him and say, hey, um, my name's Jennifer. This is what I do for your competitor. I really think you should uh, sit down with me and hire me. Good life. And he 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 actually agreed to do it, and I en ended up getting eventually getting hired by Good Life, but having a very interesting um, meeting with Patch and uh, his mother uh, Dorothy um, as my as my first interview because I I just randomly called him, and similarly I I got my job at. Uh, at Basic Fit Health City, I was doing a presentation in the Netherlands over building a, a, a profitable personal training business, and I was introduced to the um, founder and CEO of Health City Basic Fit, Renee Most, and we we had a conversation, and I realized that he was he was doing nothing with secondary revenue in in a club chain at that point was close to 100 clubs, and now Basic Fit is. 900 clubs, um, and I and I said to him before the before the end of the dinner, I was just like, oh, you should probably hire me to uh, come over and uh, set your secondary revenue services up, and and that resulted in a set a second dinner, which resulted in a job offer. So, it just I don't know. It's 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 a little bit of daring to be bold and promoting yourself kind of almost recklessly but in both of those cases i have been able to really step into jobs that that i that i really wanted and that i was really able to um make big career steps with uh you know career steps and life steps because it it was one of my life uh, dreams to live and work in Europe, and that that has been the case since I was a little girl. So it was just kind of finding a, a moment to make it happen, and finding the the right moment to to ask for what I wanted. So I think I think th those would be career highlights. But, but the, the third and the most recent is is actually the one that I'm the most proud of, and that's that's where we are right now. It's I, I think that working for WIFA is, is, is the culmination of this journey so far because, you know, I, I'm going from a very commercial environment to a nonprofit environment that really lines up with my values and helps me uh, live my purpose through work. And again, I, 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 I feel like in a weird way, I, I stumbled into it. It, it. it, of course, was was much more intentional than that because I, I've had so much time working with both of you while we were building the lead program. Um, but never in my wildest dreams did I think that that this is this is where we would land one year later. So I'm I'm just really uh, I'm just really honored. And it wasn't me asking the bold question. It was uh, it was Lindsay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jen, I love that your the the way that you have ended up in your roles. It's so cool that you created 
a similar and even more expansive situation with WIFA and how you ended up working with us. Definitely. It's, I mean, right, right now, I feel like this is the first time I can really say this is, this is my dream job and in, inside and out. Like I, I've, I've worked for cool companies. I've done a lot of cool things, fantastic colleagues, but th this is, this is the one that kind of, uh, yeah, it, it answers a, a lot of my, uh, of my personal values. Yeah, I think I've said that, but this, this, yeah. This, yeah. Well, I want to take a moment to just like, for those that are listening to be like, take, write this down. Like it's, you know, take the risk, be bold, trust yourself, have the confidence that you know that you, you, you know, that you truly embody, because I think if something's ringing through from what you mentioned about working at the video store to how you've asked for a lot of your positions up to this point is that, you know, there, you've trusted yourself from a very early age and that's in, an incredible skill to have, um, early on, but it doesn't mean, you know, everyone has that within them. It's about just uncovering it. And so really going for it and just saying, Hey, you know, you, you need me, <laughs> you, you should hire me. And, um, you know, this is what I want to do. So how can I align my purpose to a job? And I'm just going to put that out into the universe. And then Lufa comes along, you know, there are a lot of things that keep resonating that you say that I want to make sure people are hearing because, um, it can be so transformational and life-changing for someone to stand in their power and ask for what they want and then receive it. And guess what? If it's no, it doesn't mean no forever. It just might be no, not right now. Um, and to just continue to thrive in that space. I, it, you made, you made me think of something that, that, as I, I'm sure it was magic in the universe that, that brought us to this point. Um, when, when Micah and I were working on uh, our whys and, the, and when we were actually building the lead program, one of the, one of the steps in the process is to, to start gathering the stories that define you as a, as a person. And, and from there, then you identify the big life themes that you have and you have to answer questions like, you know, wh what do you like doing? Like, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? Like, what, what would you spend your time doing happily if money wasn't an issue? And I remember saying to her, I was like, Micah, I would be doing this because I, I'm doing this voluntarily and very happily doing it. So if this could turn into a job, that would be great. Um, so, so there was there was like a little uh, there we go. The, there was a wish that was sent out. Yeah, into the universe. Now I remember Definitely. you mentioning that to us early in the process of, you know, if there was when I said if there was something that I could do, and you were doing it at a volunteered, you know lots of hours that you put in, yeah. you and Micah put in on that lead program that we're incredibly grateful for. Um, and now it's paying off and yep. we are, Lindsay and I and WIFA at large is benefiting from that so much. And we're so grateful for you. And um, as you know, our newly appointed COO, 
Uh, what excites you about being on the WEFA team? We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but is there anything in particular that really just lights you up? Uh, I mean, I think it's like everything in particular that, that lights me up. Like I'll, I'll start with um, the, what, what WEFA stands for and her values. And I feel like um, the, the culture behind that is, is very much Lindsay and you that, that, that drive, yeah, Lisa's soul, so to speak. Um, and the, the, the fact that I can, I can work with such amazing and passionate and inspired women is, is so refreshing. And the fact that we can have, you know, like like the conversations that we have that kind of float between um, work-related and personal and back to work. And in the end, at the end of the day, we still get done what we need to get done, but we've we've connected as humans and we're not compartmentalizing our work life from the rest of our life. It's just like it, it's it's integrated as it should be because it's a part of our life, not, not our whole entire life. So I, I, I really like that. The, the ambassador team is just, uh, which, which I was a part of uh, last year, but it is just a, a phenomenal team of really engaged, inspirational women from around the world. Uh, I, I've really, uh, I feel honored getting to know them better as we went through the, the lead program this past fall. Uh, our, our, our board is, is also like just the, the amount of commitment and uh, all, all the different individuals that we have on our, on our leadership team also really inspires me. And I, I don't know everyone. So the, the ability to get to know more inspiring women really, really lights me up as well as, as the members, as we're, as we're getting progressively more members, the more members I get to connect with and the more stories I get to hear, um, it, it just, it makes me feel like a part of a really powerful whole an integrated whole that, uh, and, and I mean that with W-H-O-L-E, not H-O-L-E, um, just clarifying because there's no words to this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, there's just so much that fills me up about it. And that, and that's, yeah, that, that's what makes me so happy about this, uh, the, the fact that I'm, that I'm joining you that I make three so far and that we're continuing to grow so we sure are and we you know as you know listening to you describe your experience of our our culture and what we're trying what we are creating in the industry and in each other's lives there's the what I hear is the underbelly there's like bringing your whole self and not only bringing your whole self but integrating you know, lifting, leaving no stone unturned when it comes to impacting the work that you do every day. And that is everything from 
you know, we, we've all been on calls and, you know, much like the rest of the world, we're working from home. And so there's, and we're all remote and we're all over the world and there's our children are home with us and our, our spouses and there's life that breathes its way into our work every single day. And that's, by the way, what allows us to be the change that the world really needs is that's a huge part of it. And I've, I know one of the, in addition to your work experience, there's your years of being a parent also, and parenting a young woman is such a rewarding, and I love watching you with Kate, and it's, I'm curious, as you're raising young women, like, if you see any, um, anything for you that also relates itself to WIFA, um, yeah, and just what that's like for you to have her and then looking at what we're doing and how we're changing the world for women and their careers. It was such a palatable experience every single day of being with her too. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to, to have the honor of being her mother. And yeah, I, I remember, I, I think just a little bit of backstory. I remember, um, you know, when I was approaching my, my 30s, just being so career driven. I, I was in, uh, I, I was growing quickly in the, in the fitness sector. I was really loving what I was doing. And um, I had, uh, when I, when I was 25, I had a, a, a tumor on my ovary that I, that I got removed and I had to remove the ovary as well. Unfortunately, they caught it early enough that I didn't have to go through um, any other treatment other than kind of a regular follow-up and control. But because uh, the ovary was removed, my doctor advised me that um, uh, I may or may not be able to have kids. And did I, did I plan on having kids? And I was just like, uh, this is not a decision that I was, uh, thinking about. So, um, my, my husband and I at the time decided that we, we should see what was possible because, uh, in Canada at the time you had to demonstrate that you had tried for a number of years before you were eligible to get any help with fertility treatment. So, um, I, I was long story short, I was pregnant directly and, um, and nine months later there was Kate and I had, uh, I had a, a, a big job and a lot of responsibility at, at good life and, and not a lot of time to really think about what being a mother meant, uh, when, com when combining it with my job, which you know, if, if I look back at it, I had become my baby in a, in a weird way. And then all of a sudden I had a baby and I, I didn't have the, the part of my personality or personality, the part of me that I had identified with as a, as a mother yet. And there was, there was not a lot of women that I was working with and had a close enough relationship with that I felt at the time that I could really talk about the the challenges of of balancing um, being a mom and career, and I, to be honest, I I really struggled with that in in Kate's in Kate's early years, and I think I probably could have had a much easier time if if there was 
a network of women that I could that I felt like I could have talked to about that and gotten insight and support. So I think like in, in Kate's really early years was also a, a time of, of struggle for me. And uh, Kate and I, like she's uh, 14 now and we, we've talked a lot about it. And she's a kid who's just like super resilient. Uh, she communicates very well. And, um, you know, she's, she's been through a lot of change in her life. And what she sees is that, um, yeah, it, it's that, that, that career and family and everything else all, all go together. And, and she has great ambitions herself of being a, an entrepreneur and building her own career. And that's been a big part of her fantasy for, yeah, since she was a little girl and, and the stories mm. that she wrote and the characters that she made. So, you know, it, I, I wish, and we, we can't say balancing uh, having kids in a career, especially when, when your career demands a lot of you, it's like there, there are definitely ups and downs, but being a parent has, has kept the whole career thing in check for me. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that because I have a, I have a go for it personality and, um, Kate's kept me grounded and reminded me of the, the more important titles I have in life. Mm. Mm, so beautifully put and such a big aspect of what we, we talk about it a lot at WeFo because the, our ability to do life together is so critical and especially around points of, you know, whether it's active parenting or choosing not to and what that looks like, because that's its own journey as well. It's not just if you are a parent, but what if you choose not to be? There's so many different flavors of that. And you you said it so well, but it's having, you know, I in large part, that was such a big part of why I, I wanted WIFA to exist was so that women had a place to go to gather and be in community safely to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And it's such a big part of our mission and why we exist. So I feel happy that, you know, the experience that we're creating every day is getting to kind of change the change the output of how women get to experience parenting and career and the relationship of all of that, because they don't have to do it by themselves anymore if they don't want to. Definitely. It's, it's so needed and we need to have the conversation like more and more proactively <laughs> given the impact of the lockdown yep. and the fact that everybody's juggling so much at this, at this point, like it's, um, mm. Mm-hmm. we're not we're not talking about it enough I think or we are but you know we society like the the big we mm-hmm. um because because I feel like a lot of people are crushing under are, are feeling crushed under the weight of it and and need more opportunity for open dialogue because through open dialogue you can come up with solutions and support mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely Oof. Well, let's round this conversation out with some fun, punchy, rapid fire pop questions to close out the conversation. What do you think, Morgan? Yes. So, Jennifer, I know that you've listened to past podcasts, but we'll give some fun rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to your mind, just say it. 
if it's vulgar, it's fine. <laughs> really? <laughs> Just, yeah. Okay. okay. Everyone always asks, am I allowed to say swear words on this podcast? And we always yes. say, yes, you, yeah. you are allowed to be whoever you want to be. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I will ask you, because as we continue in lockdown, um, what TV show are you binging currently? Mm. Just finished Vikings. Vikings. Okay. Favorite song right now? Oh, I don't know the name of it. I don't know. I don't know. Pop. <laughs> I'm going to say, are you going to sing for us or? <laughs> no. no, I was just thinking, I was like, what's going to happen next? No, no. It's, 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 <laughs> I, I hear mostly Kate songs. So um, yeah. And those are definitely not my favorites. <laughs> right. right. That's hilarious. Um, uh-huh. I will ask you this because we talk about this all the time, the three of us, but what is your favorite, like what's a beauty tip right now that you're using or a tool? I, I was going to say Botox, but <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> That's the best beauty tip because everything else is, is, is not going to smooth out the wrinkles. Yep. I saw a meme the other day that was like, stop telling me about your nighttime washing routine and just tell me who does your injections. <laughs> I was like, yes. Literally. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's your favorite, um, st- like, do you have an absolute favorite go-to legging, exercise legging that you love? Yeah, I'm, I'm Lulu. I, I've been, and, and I've got like five-year-old Lulus that are my favorite. I, I like that they last. Yeah, they do. They do last. I feel you. Well, to final question, um, you've obviously, we've heard you've traveled to a lot of places, but is there a place you haven't been that you would like to travel to once the world opens back up? So many places. Does it have to be just one place? I would like to, like, um, in the in the summer, I would like to go to uh, Norway. Um because it just seems like a really beautiful, big country. Mm. Love it. Yes. We'll go with you. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's go hiking. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. Well, thank you again for being with us. Do, um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you or follow you? Um. Well, of course, my last name is pretty unique. So if you look it up, H-A-L-S-A-L-L, L is in love, uh, then you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I think my daughter has made me a Snapchat and TikTok profile, but I don't do much on those. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm easy to find. Amazing. Mm. Well, thank you for being here with us today and yeah, signing off until the next call, probably here in a a couple minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both.